Welcome. You're listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast, the show that cuts through the fog of war and updates you about the ongoing conflict in Ukraine. With your host, Linnea Hubbard. Don't forget to like, comment and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Google Podcasts. I'm Linnea Hubbard and today is Friday, April 28, 2023. It's been 3,348 days since Russia occupied Crimea on February 27, 2014, and 429 days since the large-scale invasion of Ukraine began. Today's podcast looks at what happened yesterday in the Russia-Ukraine war. The Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Report is compiled by our team from around the world. Today's report includes information from direct contacts in Ukraine and their proxies, Russian Ministry of Defense reports, the General Staff of the Armed Forces of Ukraine reports, Operational Commands North, South, and East of Ukraine, Open Source Intelligence, our in-house team of analysts and geolocation experts, and pro-Ukrainian and pro-Russian mill bloggers and social media accounts with a track record of trying to be accurate. We have one mission, to report the truth, because the truth matters. Let's start with our assessment of the current status of the war. First, Ukraine is setting conditions to complete its retrograde operation in Bakhmut and end its defense of the city. Second, the Russian cruise missile attacks over the last 36 hours indicate that Moscow has not been conserving precision munitions in anticipation of a Ukrainian offensive. Third, the heaviest fighting continues to be limited to the Bakhmut and Marinka operational areas. Fourth, Due to continued poor weather, flooding, and saturated soil, we find it unlikely that Ukrainian offensive operations can start before mid-May. Fifth, we maintain that Russian offensive operations in the Svatova and Kremina operational areas have culminated. Sixth, the Russian Federation armed forces are combat ineffective and have exhausted their combat potential except in the Bakhmut operational area. Seventh, We maintain that short of using chemical, biological, radiological, or nuclear, also known as seaburn, weapons, the Russian military will continue doing everything possible to capture Bakhmut, regardless of the cost. I think this can go without saying, so we're going to retire this assessment. And finally, the use of alternative private military companies and the lack of support by Russian airborne or VDV forces caused PMC Wagner Group leader Yevgeny Prigozhin to lash out at the Kremlin And Russian Ministry of Defense morning reports are no longer mentioning the PMC, indicating that the rift has reopened. Let's get some regional updates, starting with Kharkiv. In the Dvorichna operational area, multiple Russian sources reported that Ukrainian forces in Liman Pirshi were shelled for the second day in a row. We are still awaiting confirmation from the General Staff of the Armed Forces of Ukraine, or GSAFU, or a video we can geolocate. In the Kupiansk operational area, the Russian Ministry of Defense, or MOD, reported fighting between squad or platoon-sized units in the area of Orlyansk. In the Svatova operational area, the Russian MOD also reported that Ukrainian reconnaissance units conducted offensive operations in the Krochmalna area. Moving on to the Donbass region in Luhansk. In the Svatova operational area, on the other side of the Kharkiv-Luhansk border, 
The Russian MOD reported that Ukrainian reconnaissance units continued to probe Russian defenses in the area of Novoselivske. Near Kremina, there was positional fighting on the western edge of the forests near Dibrova and in the Serebriansky woods. Russian mercenary mill blogger War Gonzo claimed that Russian forces made marginal gains in the forests south of Kremina without providing any evidence. The so-called Luhansk People's Republic, or LNR, Joint Center for Control and Coordination, or JCCC, reported that Revonkovsky oil depot in Rovenki was attacked for a second time by seven Ukrainian kamikaze drones. Five were shot down, but two struck administrative buildings and technical equipment. Pictures and videos from LNR officials violated operational security, called OPSEC, and provided a partial battle damage assessment. In northeast Donetsk, in the Siversk operational area, Wargonzo claimed Ukrainian forces were conducting offensive operations, attacking Russian positions east of Verkhnokhamyanskye. PMC Wagner made critical gains in the northern and west-central part of Bakhmut, while Ukrainian forces appear to be taking steps that indicate they are moving to complete their retrograde operation. The Russian MOD reported their forces completed 59 fire missions, and Russian Army Aviation and Air Force, or VKS, completed four close air support sorties. Northwest of Bakhmut, PMC Wagner led attacks in the directions of Orikhova Vasilivka, Bogdanivka, and Khomova. Wagner mercenaries were pushed back from Khomova, and a graphic video showed intense fighting for control of muddy trenches in the highlands north of Bogdanivka. We do link to the video in our full situation report on Patreon, but be aware the video is not safe for work, not for children, and some viewers may find it disturbing. PMC Wagner's head Yevgeny Prigozhin once again denied claims that the T-506 and T-504 highway ground lines of communication, called GLOCs, those are supply lines, had been severed while attacking the Russian MOD, saying, quote, This intersection, referring to the T-506, has not been taken by us yet. We are nearby, because from the west, from Ivanovske, the roads remain. They are bad, they are difficult, and they are shot up by us, but the enemy throws up reserves every day. As I have said, someone somewhere claims it is somehow blocking the arrival of reserves. There is no one there except us. It's all just perverse fantasies that spread on the internet that someone else helped us with something. I am very glad that before the May holidays, it means May 1st through 9th, the media is trying to level the information field. But in order to level it, at least someone needs to put some effort in somewhere else. Guys, go ahead, take off the Ivka, Vukladar, show the exploits, and march in indestructible masses toward Kiev. End quote. In the northern part of Bakhmut, PMC Wagner has advanced to Hospital No. 2 and stands at the edge of the single-family homes between the last potential Ukrainian hardpoints in the city's southwest corner. These will be difficult areas to defend and vulnerable to airstrikes and artillery fire. In central Bakhmut, Wagner mercenaries are pressuring Ukrainian defenses at the medical college. Further south, they captured the industrial technical school. Several Russian mill bloggers falsely claimed that capturing the Yuvelena and Tchaikovsky Street's intersection meant the T-504 highway G-lock was severed. We're skeptical of Russian mercenary mill blogger Rebar's claim that the parking garage complex north of the medical college is under Wagner's control. In the southern part of Bakhmut, PMC Wagner advanced toward the former MiG-17 statue 
likely reaching Robochla Street, flanking Ukrainian defenses on Korsunskoho Street. In response to the advance, it appears that Ukrainian forces executed a planned demolition of one of the apartment buildings at the T-504 Highway and Korsunskoho Street Junction. Some assessment. The loss of two critical hardpoints and the apparent demolition of one of its best defensive positions indicates that Ukraine is moving to complete its retrograde operation and yield Bakhmut. We can't provide a timeline, and despite the successes of holding both G-locks open against all odds and holding parts of the city for months longer than most other analysts expected, the situation is becoming untenable. PMC Wagner attempted to advance toward Ivanivske and retake lost positions and was unsuccessful. The manufactured strife between the Kremlin and Prigozhin caused our favorite FSB colonel, convicted war criminal, Kremlin pariah, and failed Mobik Igor Strelkov-Girkin to attack the PMC Wagner leader, saying, quote, At present, the public opinion has been formed that it is the Wagner that is the last hope of our fatherland, since other units of the Russian army are supposedly just holed up in the trenches. And this is what entertaining arithmetic has shown based on the results of the successful development of offensive actions by PMC Wagner for half a year of meat assaults in Artemovsk, he means Bakhmut. The area of the city is 74 square kilometers. If we assume this is a circle, then the radius of such a circle, according to the well-known formula, is 4.85 kilometers, rounded up to 5 kilometers. It is reliably known about the liberation of the eastern and central parts of the city. For six months of attacks on the forehead, 182 days, Wagner advanced 25 meters per day. Let me ask a provocative question. Can this really be considered a successful development of offensive operations? From Artemovsk to Kyiv in a straight line, it is 577 kilometers. With successful offensive actions by PMC Wagner, after 23,000 days or 63 years, it will finally reach the capital of Ukraine, and a victory parade will be held. End quote. In southwest Donetsk, in the Avdiivka operational area, we figured out why Rybar didn't release a report a few days ago. Today, the mill blogger reported that Ukrainian forces retook the defensive positions on the H-20 highway west of Novobakhmutivka and claimed Ukraine had launched a counterattack on Krasnohorivka. Reports that the 1st Army Corps was building forces for an attempted advance on Avdiivka were accurate, with a failed attack on the Ukrainian stronghold from Kamyanka. Otherwise, fighting was in the usual locations, including the no-man's land between Vodyana and Sieverne, the eastern edge of Pervomaiske, and near the Ukrainian firebase at Nevelske. In the Marinka operational area, Rybar made a bizarre claim, reporting fighting on the, quote, western outskirts of Druzhby Avenue, where fighting has continued since August 2022. Quick question. What are the outskirts of Druzhby Avenue? Is that, like, the sidewalk? Orgonzo reported that tradition was maintained and the Russian attempted advance failed. The self-declared acting leader of the so-called Donetsk People's Republic, or DNR, Denis Pushilin, claimed that Russian artillery holds fire control over Marinka. They hold as much fire control over the western half as Ukraine holds over the eastern half. Which is to say, none. North of Marinka, Russian forces attempted to advance on the other Krasnohorivka in Donetsk without success. 
You're listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast. Our team of journalists, researchers, and analysts is funded by readers, listeners, and viewers just like you. To support independent journalism, please consider becoming a patron. You can find us on patreon.com at Malcontent News. Moving on to Zaporizhia. Ukrainian officials reported that Russian forces conducted 78 fire missions and 12 drone attacks along the Zaporizhia line of conflict. There was no update on the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant. In the Black Sea, Crimea, Mykolaiv, and Odessa region, Operational Command South, or OKS, reported seven Black Sea fleet vessels on patrol, including three frigates capable of launching up to 24 caliber cruise missiles in total. In western and central Ukraine, Russian and Ukrainian forces continued artillery exchanges over the Dnipro River in Kherson. Russian forces completed 61 fire missions on Free Kherson using 356 artillery rounds, mortars, grad rockets, indirect tank fire, and drone-delivered IEDs. The city of Kherson was targeted six times and hit by 39 munitions, killing two and wounding three. Insurgents with the Crimean Tatar resistance organization Atesh claimed they killed two Russian soldiers in Veliki Kopani for committing war crimes against civilians, including robbery, beatings, and rape. Claiming responsibility for the assassinations, the group released a statement, writing, quote, Your attempt to find us will not be successful. This is not the last operation that you will experience. Ukrainian nights are just beginning. End quote. Pictures and video showed that a Russian ammunition depot in occupied Novokhovka was destroyed, and in Oleshki, fires could be seen from the West Bank. The Guardian reported Gauleiter Vladimir Saldo, the Russian occupation leader of Kherson and raccoon enthusiast, is a co-owner and corporate officer of Grain Holding Limited, which has offices in London, despite being sanctioned by the United Kingdom and banned from entry into the European bloc of Schengen Agreement nations. In Dnipropetrovsk, a Russian cruise missile struck Dnipro, damaging a complex of warehouses and possibly fuel storage. The missile landed on the edge of civilian housing, killing a mother and her toddler and wounding five more. In Cherkasy, a Russian KH-101 cruise missile struck a nine-story apartment building in Uman, severely damaging one side of the structure where 109 people were located. At the time of recording, there were 23 confirmed dead, including four children. Almost 150 emergency workers were looking for survivors in the rubble, supported by two canines. We'll talk more about this in the war crimes and human rights segment. In north and northeast Ukraine, 11 cruise missiles and two Iranian-sourced Shahed-136 kamikaze drones were shot down over the Kyiv region. Debris from either an anti-aircraft missile or shot-down KH-101 cruise missile landed on the road in the Obolon district. A localized power outage was reported. In Sumy, Russian forces shelled and launched airstrikes on 27 villages along the Russian border in the Hromadas of Miropilia, Bilopilia, Yunakivka, Khotin, Svesa, Shalakhin, Snobnovhorodske, Esmen, and Seredina Buda. Russian army aviation carried out rocket attacks in Snobnovhorodske, Esmen, and Seredina Buda, and attacked Shalakhin with three drone-delivered IEDs. Over 130 munitions were used across the oblast, 
damaging three homes. On the Russian front, when the sun rose over St. Petersburg, Russia, a power plant employee found a six-meter-wide crater near the facility. Our assessment that the explosion heard in the city was a sonic boom was inaccurate. Investigators determined that a barrel filled with 60 to 70 kilograms of a low-yield explosive was detonated. At first, inspectors were flummoxed, finding no evidence of shrapnel, debris, or traces of common explosives. A fragment from the barrel broke through the roof of a nearby equestrian club, however, providing the missing clue. No one has claimed responsibility for the blast, which didn't cause any other damage. Let's talk about developments theater-wide and outside Ukraine. Ukrainian air defenses shot down 21 of the 23 KH-101 and KH-555 cruise missiles launched from Russian Tu-95 strategic bombers over the Caspian Sea. They also shot down two kamikaze drones, achieving a 92% success rate against viable targets. It is unknown if the United States-provided Patriot missile batteries were used to defend against last night's attack. Bezdorizhia continues to be a major problem, with a video showing Ukrainian forces traveling through muddy forest tracks and a Soviet-era MTLB buried to its floor pan on the edge of the road. The Ukrainian MOD met with public figures and volunteers in the medical field serving on the front lines, aid stations, and forward operating bases. At the meeting, volunteers indicated there were cases of poor performance by individuals providing medical care to military personnel. Defense Minister Oleksiy Reznikov directed officials to investigate the claims further and take appropriate measures as required. Russian President Vladimir Putin signed a decree declaring that people in the occupied territories of Zaporizhia, Donetsk, Luhansk, and Kherson who have not accepted Russian citizenship by July 1, 2024, will be considered foreigners and will be deported if they, quote, create a threat to the national security of Russia, end quote. Polish officials reported that the missile debris found in the western forests was an inert air-to-ground missile used for training exercises months ago and did not come from a third-party nation or represent any threat. Poland will simplify the procedure for exporting some drones to Ukraine. Previously, an export permit had to be acquired for each drone, and from now on, they can be shipped with a general certificate. However, a general permit cannot be granted if the exporter or supplier knows the UAVs may be intended for use in developing, producing, or operating weapons. Additionally, the exemption only applies to drones with a flight time of 30 to 60 minutes. Ukrainian Minister of Foreign Affairs Dmitry Kuleba and the European Union High Representative Josep Borrell discussed the continued supply of weapons to Ukraine and the conversation between Ukrainian President Zelensky and Chinese President Xi. Kuleba called on the EU to, quote, speed up the supply of weapons and ammunition to Ukraine, end quote. Speaking of diplomacy, let's talk about the Russian military, mobilization, and Mir. Our favorite FSB Colonel Yurkin wasn't done with PMC Wagner's leader Prigozhin. In a second screed, he went after the mercenary leader for complaining about the lack of support from the Kremlin again, and he was in rare form today, saying, quote, Prigozhin seems to suffer from a split personality. 
Just yesterday, he yelled to the whole country that the Russian Federation Ministry of Defense did not give him shells in order to smash the Ukrov, which is a slur for Ukrainians, in Bakhmut. And immediately after, he announced that he had suspended the work of the PMC Wagner artillery while journalists from the United States were visiting the city. So I have a reasonable question for Prigozhin. Why the hell do you need shells, you shameful Ukrov, if you care so much about the safety of journalists, spies, to put it bluntly, of the state that is behind the army that is fighting against us? Are you already laying straws in case of defeat? Are you hoping for some kind of deal in Africa? Or are you just a half-witted but very conceited cretin? End quote. Russian Deputy Minister of Defense Colonel General Mikhail Mizintsev, also known as the Butcher of Mariupol, was fired by Russian President Putin. Putin promoted Mizintsev in September 2022, but he fell out of favor after Putin visited occupied Kherson, Crimea, and Luhansk. Some assessment. The only successful Russian commanders, General Mizintsev and General Alexander Lapin, have been fired at least once by Putin in the last 10 months. Mizintsev, who led the Russian siege and capture of Mariupol, has been fired for a second time. Lapin was fired in October 2022, despite his successful campaign to capture Severodonetsk and Lusychansk. Lapin's ouster came from external pressure from PMC Wagner leader Prigozhin and Colonel General Ramzan Don Don Kadyrov when the Wagner group was at the peak of its influence within the Kremlin. Last year, we reported that Armenia was leading the CSTO alliance toward collapse after the alliance ignored its Article 4 request in September 2022. CSTO is the Russian Federation's version of NATO, with six member nations, and Article 4 is the attack on one is an attack on all clause. Armenia, still part of the CSTO alliance, announced it had started joint military exercises with NATO that will continue through June 23rd, and up to 9,000 troops will be involved. Needless to say, this is not being well received in Moscow or Tehran. Quick sidebar for a vocabulary word. Projection. Noun. The attribution of one's own ideas, feelings, or attitudes to other people or to objects, especially the externalization of blame, guilt, or responsibility as a defense against anxiety. See also accusations made by the Russian Federation. After months of misattributed videos shared by Russian social media channels alleging the mass roundup of Ukrainians off the street into conscription, a video showed the Russian commissariat dragging a conscript out of his car in the Moscow area. You cannot ignore those text messages, the ones that the same Russian social media channel said Ukraine would start sending this spring. On April 26th, lawyer-turned-Russian propagandist Sergei Tretinsky died from a landmine explosion in occupied Nova Kachovka. Tvetinsky was reportedly the occupied Kherson leader of the political party Fair Russia for Truth. The Russian telegram channel Zapravdu confirmed his death. All is going to plan. In our War Crimes and Human Rights segment, we discuss events that might be upsetting to hear about. There is very minor graphic detail in today's report, and this is the last segment of today's episode, but please feel free to skip to the end. A woman in Uman filmed the immediate aftermath of the cruise missile strike on her apartment building. The video may be disturbing to some viewers, but we believe it is very important to watch. With blood on her hands, she cries hysterically, saying, quote, 
A rocket hit our house. We are all covered in blood. Children were sleeping here. End quote. Phone calls intercepted by the Defense Intelligence Directorate of the Ministry of Defense of Ukraine, or GUR, recorded a Mobik saying he had cut the throat of a Ukrainian POW after interrogation because after the extraction of information, quote, they were no longer of any value, end quote. We cannot independently verify the claim, but intercepted GUR calls revealed the execution of Oleksandr Matsyevsky and were authenticated by video and the recovery of his body. Since that incident, we have given increased weight to the authenticity of the publicly released GUR intercepted communications. The Parliamentary Assembly of the Council of Europe, or PACE, adopted a resolution recognizing the Russian deportation of Ukrainian children as evidence of an ongoing genocide. During his evening address, President Zelensky said, quote, The deportation of Ukrainian children is one of the fully premeditated events of Russia's attempt to erase the identity of our people, to destroy the very essence of Ukrainians. This is a deliberate crime of genocide committed by Russian officials. This is how it should be qualified both politically and legally. End quote. The Center for Strategic Communications and Information Security, or CSCIS, is countering Italian media company La Repubblica's version of how journalist Corrado Zunino and production assistant Bogdan Bitik were shot, killing Bitik. The CSCIS claims that Bitik did not have ballistic protection in his plate receiver, and Zunino ignored warnings not to approach the bank of the Dnipro due to the danger. Yesterday, we reported the area was in a yellow zone, with Ukrainian officials declaring the banks of the Dnipro a red zone which bans visits by journalists without a permit, approval by defense officials, and a military escort. La Repubblica claims, as we reported yesterday, that Zunino and Bitik were waved through three checkpoints without incident before coming under fire by a Russian sniper. In occupied Zaporizhia, a video showed a Russian soldier stealing humanitarian aid collected for area children. One of the aid workers argues with him, slaps his hand at one point, and jerks a bag of food away. Unfazed, the Russian soldier continues gathering as much as he can carry and walks away. And that's what we know. Join me again tomorrow for more updates. Until then, stay safe, everyone. You've been listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast. To help keep us independent, please consider providing financial support by becoming a patron. Want on-demand news in your hand? Download the Google News app and make Malcontent News one of your favorites to receive breaking news updates. Thank you for listening.